Welcome to The Power of Data, the podcast by Dun & Bradstreet. Data is everywhere, and there is more created every second of every day. Join us to hear from leaders unlocking the value of data. Hello, and welcome to The Power of Data podcast. I'm James Harrison, UKI Head of Insurance at Dun & Bradstreet, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Helen Stanway, Market Engagement and Adoption Lead for Lloyds of London and President of Sense. Welcome, Helene. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm delighted to be here. And it's such a great topic. So looking forward to chatting it through with you. Thank you. Helene, you have a fantastic wealth of experience in the insurance industry spanning 25 years. The vast majority has been part of the evolution of Catlin, from Catlin to XL Catlin and then to Axer XL. Your career is especially interesting and hugely relevant for the time that we're in, as you've been a champion of digital and technology innovation in the insurance industry. In 2016, you were appointed as Axer XL's Head of Technology Innovation, where you co-founded Cube, the world's first risk innovation incubator. I think this is the time actually where we first met, as you were a mentor. Yeah, on, yes. <laughs> you were a mentor on the Accenture Fintech Innovation Lab to the InsurTech cohort, which I was supporting. Long time now. In January of this year, you recently joined Lloyds of London, where you are now the market engagement and adoption lead for the future of Lloyds, with a significant focus on data. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. And you've also been appointed as president of Sense, a new Fort Leadership consortium looking to drive the dynamic use of IoT and data in the specialty insurance market. So actually, a double congratulations that's in order. Thank you. It's a busy time, hey? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Helene, it'd be great if you could give our listeners a short introduction to yourself and your journey in innovation within insurance so far. Yeah, of course I can. It's quite nice when you summarise it for me because I can pinpoint certain <laughs> things that... I think what's quite interesting from my career perspective is I've done quite a lot of different things. And I would always classify myself as a generalist. I started actually in operations and I loved operations because you get to put your hands on so many different things and you understand process. You understand how people work. You understand how people are needed for the process. And then that third leg of that conversation is obviously the technology and how that technology underpins everything that you need to do. One of the things that was really interesting when Excel and and Catlin came together was how new roles and new opportunities came about. And I remember my boss at the time, he said to me, oh, Helen, can you can you have a look at this technology trends thing? And I remember thinking, hmm, okay, well, that's interesting. I don't know anything about that. And I did freak out for about three weeks, I have to say. And then after about three weeks, I thought, do you know what? Let me do some research. And I went down the research rabbit hole of technology and what it means and how it applies to insurance, what's meaningful, what's not meaningful from those texts. And that's where it started. And it flourished into we created a team. We then did a whole bunch of experiments. I think at one point we did about 40 different experiments. But to kind of underpin all that, it's very much about the mindset. So, okay, I might have had a little bit of a brain freeze moment for three weeks thinking, oh, my goodness, how do we do this? But actually, if you have that growth mindset, it's I don't know how to do this yet. And it's that yet that's the key. And I'm sure you've heard Carol Dweck and her yet phrase about the growth mindset. I absolutely think that applies to me. And it really was scary. I'm not denying that it was scary because you're figuring something out that you don't know when you've come from a world where you're kind of really sure of yourself and sure of your experience and expertise into looking at something completely, completely new. And I deliberately chose my team for people who had that growth mindset. We advertised for roles in the team to say, do you know what? You don't need to know anything about the topic. 
but you have to have a willingness to learn. And that was so powerful. And we got some great people in the team as a result. Great. And I, you know, I assume now that that growth mindset is now very much applied to your new role with a new consortium of innovative players called, called Sense, where, of course, you're the president. For our listeners that are unfamiliar with Sense, could you please could you give a little bit more about what Sense is and, and the goals of the initiative? Absolutely. So Sense was probably born out of quite a lot of frustration. So I know from the experiments that we've done on IoT, what a game-changing technology IoT is. So Internet of Things, sensors that attach to buildings, to people, to machinery, to ships, you name it, that gives you a real-time view of what is going on with that, and we call them assets. And we saw clear benefits of doing that. We could predict things. We could spot things as soon as they happened. We could go in and fix things. So from a risk perspective, you're really shifting from that paying for something that's happened to stopping it happening in the first place. But it really seems to be difficult to penetrate that concept and that idea into the insurance sector because there are so many challenges around, well, how do you cope with real-time data? You get this plethora of data, what's meaningful, what's important, what should I be paying attention to? And insurance companies today are relatively siloed in how they operate, i.e. you have a you have a data team and then you have a technology team and then you have an underwriting team and a pricing team. And actually, you probably need a whole horizontal across those silos to drive change and to make it happen. So the frustration of, oh, we can see all these benefits. It's such a great technology. Why isn't it landing? And I wasn't alone in that. So all of the, the folks that are in the Sense Consortium all have that frustration of, we can see it's brilliant. It's going to make a change. It's the right thing to do. Let's group up and see if we can drive that change together. And we really do not want it to be a talking shop. We really want it to be something where we can drive action and then we can drive the insurance industry to understand what is needed to take on that change and to do things differently based on IoT devices and data. Brilliant. So it sounds like it's, you know, it's actually about realizing the opportunity through the new digital technologies that are available to the market. You know, I think I'm in the same group as what Sense is trying to achieve there, where, you know, the opportunity is there and now it's time to realise it. When we're talking about innovation, it'd be great now to talk about the work at Excel Catlin and some of the experiences from, from Excel Catlin. You were, of course, were there for many years, you know, before it was acquired by AXA for over $15 billion. So you've seen and experienced significant consolidation in the insurance market. When I was a broker, a Lloyds broker, when I first started off my career, I always considered Excel Catlin as one of the most innovative players in the London market with fantastic talent. I'm sure that's partly the reason why, why AXA was so interested in the acquisition. As you know, there has been significant consolidation in the insurance market in the last five to 10 years. How does consolidation of the market impact innovation? Do you think it helps or hinders it? It'd be great to see, you know, understand if some of your colleagues on Sense, you know, whether that has also helped to support that initiative as well. I think it does a bit of both, actually. I think where it's a positive thing is size and scale. So the more you consolidate, the the bigger the player, the more interesting they become for startups to connect with, even the Googles and the Amazons and and, and such like of the world. Because you think because you hit one organization, you're then automatically going to get size and scale of the solution. So that that is a positive. And I know from from my days at Axer Excel, we got exposed to so many different players in the market, so many different solutions that we would never have got when we were a much smaller organisation. So that was a real positive. I think the difficulty comes from a people perspective, because when you go through an M&A, you get people consolidation as well. You know, there are two people in one role. What are you going to do? 
that tends to focus people away from innovation, which is ironic because actually you probably want to drive more innovation to to make you as an individual more appealing and, and what have you for go forward roles. But it tends to make people kind of retrench into, oh, my God, I've just got to do the best job I've got to do with, with my business as usual. So I think it does hinder the people aspect to step out of their comfort zone to do certain things differently, which is what you need for innovation. You need to take a step back, think differently, use new partners, new solutions and what have you. But I think that's just a timing perspective. I think once the organisation then settles down, I think you then can motor motor forward because you've then got your size and scale, your people are settled and they feel more comfortable to then go out of that comfort zone and do something slightly different. That's interesting. You mentioned there in, in, your, in your answer there about Google and Amazon and you know I think the insurance industry we you know we've been told for the last for 10 years or so that there is a you know, there's an external threat there from those likes to disrupt the industry and, and apply their innovative techniques and success and experience to the insurance industry but what I'd be really interested to hear from yourself is you know where, where are you seeing the most impactful innovation that's actually coming from within the insurance industry as opposed to external? I think I would struggle to answer that question because I have much more of an ecosystem view As in, I don't think somebody can do something in isolation because an insurance organisation serves brokers, serves clients, reinsurers are in the mix. We are an ecosystem. We work together well because we have an ecosystem of people that all know part of the problem to solve. And actually, by bringing in other players and other solutions, that's kind of how you can then drive that continued progress, if you like. I'd say my favourite innovation actually I think is probably the AXA XL construction ecosystem massive ecosystem play of players whereby I think they got it right because they had a platform whereby they were getting the data curating the data and then they were playing back to the client all of the different insights from the different solutions that were being deployed on a construction site and then they then had this thing called TAMI which I thought was, was a great acronym Uh, technology assessment maturity index where they were pre-vetting startups so for clients they could look to that list and say oh okay I've got confidence in solution xyz because it's been pre-vetted and and actually they recently won a silent award for that innovation so I think that's that's one of the highlights for me and I actually also am, am super interested in what Brit did with the key syndicate that is really interesting and it's going to be interesting to see how many other carriers follow suit and where you then get that division between, you know, the lead and follow and how that matures. Absolutely. And you mentioned that really interesting point that almost, you know, isolation, that will actually hinder innovation. You know, you need a consortium or you need an ecosystem of players to really enable innovation in an industry like, like insurance. And that leads us very nicely to, to what we want to talk to you about next, which is the future at Lloyd's, which is, of course is a huge modernization program at Lloyd's of London, where you said, you know, you need the brokers and you need the underwriters and third parties and consultants and, you know, technology and data providers all to come in together to really achieve the goals of Future of Lloyds. So it'd be great to talk now about your work, what you're doing right now in that program at the Future of Lloyds. How does data underpin and support the modernization efforts that you're trying to carry out at, at the Future of Lloyds program? I think the key word there is underpin, actually. We have so many problems as an industry because we think we're talking the same language, but we aren't. Because you can say premium to somebody and they will have a view in their head of what premium means. And I'm going to have a different view probably of what premium means. Even if it's in simplistic, are you talking gross or are you talking net? If you have a set of data that everybody understands, 
They understand what it is. They understand the definition. They understand all of the standards that are associated to it. And they understand why it's needed. And the fact that their data is going to be treated respectfully and securely and so on, you can then talk to each other in the same way. And it avoids all of that reconciliation when people, oh, I thought you meant this. And oh, gosh, you know, I didn't mean that. And it, it just makes the data just flow completely seamlessly. And the other thing for me that's super exciting is, is we're really talking about data as a data first journey. So there's a real drive to start with data first and at this point, it's looking at the, the data that, that helps drive financial certainty and all of the processing and the payment of premium and, and so on. Because actually today, you know, it is a very, very painful process because so many people have different understandings of the data. They have different ways of recording it in different systems. So people and data, in fact, can't talk to each other. So unless you have that data first journey where we start and we end with the data that is the same and understood in the same way by everybody, you take away so much pain, so many mistakes. And, you know, don't even get me started on rekeying of data <laughs> and how many times that happens. And, you know, is it a zero? Is it an O? Is it a one? Is it an L? You know, if people understand the standards and it's keyed in once and it flows through, I mean, you know, wouldn't that be magical? And that's what ultimately it's kind of, you know, one of the many things that, that Blueprint 2 is trying to achieve is having that great flow of data to take out, you know, the, the what was it, 91% error rate and the however many times rekeying that is just costly, inefficient and actually just drives everyone nuts, myself included. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned there some of the challenges that you're finding, I guess, there with the, you know, not everyone speaks the same language, but they think that they are. Breaking that down is, is super important to, to making sure the program works and buy-in from both sides of the box and Lloyd's. And, you know, again, you mentioned there about a data-first journey, and at Dun Bradshaw, we totally agree. When data is utilized well in insurance, it can have significant impact in a number of areas across the value chain. It can streamline underwriting, it can quicken onboarding, it can remove some of those errors that we're finding in, in rekeying. I think there's an example in the market about 17 different ways to spell Coca-Cola, but you're talking about the same entity. <laughs> I've uh, not heard of that one. But, you know, it's, it's also when data is used well, it's about reducing policy administration and improving the overall customer journey. So, you know, data is certainly the foundation to enable the digital acceleration of the insurance industry. What other examples are you finding in the work that you're doing about how powerful data can be in the industry when, when utilized effectively? Are there any sort of key examples that really come to mind? At the moment with Lloyd's, we're still in that foundational stage. I'm very, very proud of the work that we've done. We've, we've got a core data record out there for market consultation. We're, we're looking for feedback. So we're trying to bring the market together and, and build consensus. But in terms of kind of things that are slightly more mature and, and where data has made a meaningful impact, I see so much of it. I couldn't really pick one example out, but it really feels like we're chipping away at how can we move from passively paying claims, maybe that's too passive a word, to really trying to drive upstream and talk to the client about how they can better risk manage. And that's through, through the power of data. And I think the the one example I always revert back to, and people may have heard me say this before, we did an experiment with an IoT device on a conveyor belt that was processing bread rolls. And the data told us something that no human being could see. And the data told us that actually the metal detector was being switched off for two hours a day. And they just didn't, nobody knew. 
And that's quite serious when bread rolls are kind of going through and you're trying to detect small particles and shards of metal. But that's the, that's the exciting stuff for me is, is how can data tell us something we don't know? And I think the other, the other one from quite a while ago was we gave a startup, and it was an experiment with a startup. We gave them, I think it was something like 10,000 loss reports. And we just said to them, tell us something we don't know. And they said to us, you know, after a period of analysis, and they said, uh, oh, well, the, the highest proportion of claims that you're getting in this particular book of business is on a Wednesday afternoon. And we were kind of like, oh, OK, well, what do we do with that then? <laughs> so there's some great examples out there, but it's what, what do you then do with that? It's all about the insight that you can get from this data or the insight that you're getting from your data strategy. That's that's where the value is at. Absolutely. So the work at Future Lloyds, you know, I think is truly fascinating and, and it's showing how Lloyds as a marketplace must and should be at the forefront to set the standards of the market when it comes to digital data, culture and innovation. So following this theme, it was recently announced by Lloyds' CEO, John Neal, that climate change is the biggest single investment opportunity for the insurance sector in this lifetime. And this follows Lloyd's indication to scale back its exposure of coal and oil last December. We've also seen similar commitments from Zurich and Swiss Re in recent months. You know, the insurance industry, we certainly believe, like the investment industry, has a real opportunity to make a significant contribution in the fight against climate change by influencing behavioral changes for its underwriting decision-making. Industry's growing commitment to ESG is, you know, I think very, very encouraging. But how do you think the insurer should use digital and data technologies to really support the goals or its approach to ESG? And what should insurers be investing in to support their goals? I don't think you could have asked me a bigger question there, could you? <laughs> let, let me pick on my favourite topic, which is IoT. What's fascinating about IoT is how many facets there are to it. So I've already talked about how IoT can move from paying a claim to preventing a claim happening in the first place or mitigating it much, much more quickly. The thing we found with deploying that tech, however, was over and above anything from a risk perspective, was optimising power usage. So if you think about you, you put a box in a building and it's reading all sorts of stuff about the building, including how much electricity is being used. And through optimizing when electricity came on and when electricity goes off or how much assets are using electricity, actually, we paid nine times over in savings in power usage than the cost of the box in the first instance. So never mind all the risk impacts. But if you're looking at how much electricity you're using in such a simple manner, you're delivering a big part of the ESG goals which is making those buildings, well, use buildings as an example, but you're making them much more effective, you're reducing power. And the other thing that's, that's a knock-on is the better that you maintain the assets, actually, again, you're minimising the electricity that they're using. Because we, we found one, I think it was an air conditioning unit, that was on at full power all the time. And that, that can't be right, it shouldn't be on at full power. Somebody opened it up and saw that it was so humid, it was kind of raining inside. So again, if you if you can pick that stuff up, these faults much, much sooner, you're then not overloading the sort of the use of electricity. That's why it's just so multifaceted and, and interesting. So for me, it's about how can you drive the deployment and the adoption of IoT devices across, you know, from a client and an insurance basis. And as insurers recognize the benefits, you know, that cyclical improvement in risk, reduction in premium. It's a, it's a positive circle of activity. It's really interesting. And, you know, I, t I totally agree. IoT and sensory data has a huge opportunity to 
one for the insurers to help inform you know operational changes but also you know as a benefit of that is is around ESG and improving the ESG scores of or as policyholders so that's that, that's that's really interesting Helene before we end the podcast we on the Paradata podcast we like to ask our interviewees to leave our listeners with a piece of advice or a lesson learned that's held you in good stead and that you've taken throughout your career oh that's a tough one I would probably say for people to care less. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, let me explain that. People get very invested in their favorite solution or their favorite way of doing things. And they put a lot of kind of emotional energy into maintaining what they know and love. And actually, if they cared slightly less about that, it would open up their minds, their hearts to doing things differently and to change and to think, actually, do you know what? I could do this a bit more quickly or hmm, actually there's a better technology out there. So not to get too invested in, in one thing, but to kind of, to care less, to be open to other things. That's really interesting, Helen, because that, that almost goes back to what you were saying before about taking more risks to support innovation. So I, I totally agree. That makes a lot of sense. Helen, thank you very much for your time today. This has been really enjoyable and it's been great to catch up. Thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure and, and thank you to you too. Find out more about how Dun & Bradstreet can help your business be better. Contact us at marketinguk at dnb.com. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. <laughs>